come now to our sermon text, which will be from Exodus chapter 20 and James chapter 1. As we read, please stand. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, and then James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. Hear now God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever they w the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, uh, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Please be seated. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you once again for this evening and the opportunity to sit under your word. And we ask now that your word will be go forth with power and be a blessing to us and, and, and rebuke us when necessary and encourage us and that we will build up in holiness and to your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in, in God's providence, I'm going to preach my last sermon on the Ninth Commandment. Maybe not my, my first choice, but here we are, and I think it's a very important commandment, a very a big topic and, and, and vital topic for us as Christian believers. Um, it's interesting, whenever, whenever I approach one commandment uh, for the first time to, to prepare my sermon, I look not, of all, not at all of them, but for example, on the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false testimony to your neighbor. I thought to myself, that's actually not that hard to keep. Um, and then you peel one layer 
of that commandment and you realize how foolish, or at least how foolish I was to think that way. You, you look at the, uh, into the Bible, scripture, and you read about Abraham, the, the father of faith who was scared and feared for his life and he lied. You look at Jacob, the deceiver who lied to, to gain um, profit. David, the man after God's heart, covered up uh, sin by lying. Even the apostle Peter who feared and, and lied three times about knowing Jesus as Savior. And then Ananias and Sapphira, one of the more famous stories, deceived and lied in, in, in order to, to receive honor. Um, it's all over Scripture, lying and people in weaknesses or uh, in moments of weakness, uh, they, they lie and they deceive. And you realize the depths of this commandment, how, how vast the depth of, that, of this commandment is, and how impossible it is to keep that very commandment. Now as you read with me the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you probably recognize the language of a courtroom. The commandment, as we shall see, is of course much bigger and has much more and far-reaching implications, but here in this particular scenario, it speaks about a witness giving false testimony about his neighbor in a way that would injure his name or harm his name and his reputation. And, and this was in the ancient times of, of vital importance. You might remember even the story about Boaz and Ruth and how their marriage was, was decided right before the gates of the town. The men would come together um, and, and, and those things would happen on a, on a daily basis. The, the same with disputes between, between neighbors. They would settle these things in, in, a, in a courtroom. There were no evidences in the way that we have them today, no fingerprints, no, no forensic evidences um, and, and things that we are able to do today with our enhanced technology. Most cases were established um, and settled on the basis of eyewitnesses and their testimony. Not only would cases be established on that basis, but, but guilt would be established um, on that basis. And innocence would be established in the same way. And you can see how crucial it is, and even today, that those witnesses speak the truth. If you look it up, eyewitness error is the single greatest uh, cause of wrongful convictions nationwide, playing a role in 72 convictions overturned through DNA testing. Um, they, haven't, they didn't have DNA testing back then, but you realize how, how crucial it is, how vital to speak the truth. I just read an article from a man from Philadelphia who was freed from prison 37 years after his imprisonment, after the murder after his murder conviction was overturned because of perjured witness testimony. Can you imagine spending the greater uh, part of your life in, in prison because somebody testified and lied about, about it? Now, we usually don't spend 
too much time in a courtroom nowadays. Some of us do, some of us don't. I would like to say I've never spent time in a courtroom, but I, I did. Um, it was just a minor thing. We can talk about it later. Um, but how devastating for someone uh, if, if someone, is, someone stands up and, and lies. As I said, many things were settled in this manner. And people's life often depended upon it. I remember actually um, back in, in, in the fourth grade, um, my friend, we were a group of guys, and my friend did something very stupid. And I was standing by and just watching it, and, and it came to the attention of my teacher, and he called us out of the classroom. And, and he said, who was it who did that? And my friend, without hesitation, pointed the finger at me and said, he did it. And I um, promised myself I would never cry in school in front of the others. But the pain and the betrayal, I, I, didn't even, I couldn't even utter a word. I just broke down in tears. That is, and you know me, I, I don't cry very quickly. Um, but that pain, that betrayal... It pierced through my heart, and it, it was so painful that I couldn't help it. Um, maybe some of us have experienced that sort of betrayal, uh, and it is very, very painful. And that is why this was such a ser serious, that is such a serious thing, that when God implemented his law, he says in, in Deuteronomy 19, we read there, if a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother, so you shall purge the evil from your midst." This is how serious the matter was. If you want to bring harm uh, over your brother by lying, the same harm should, would come upon you. God says it's, it's life for life. Whatever you try to bring about your neighbor shall, by lying shall come over yourself. And often the witness had to throw the first stone. And so this is what the Ninth Commandment specifically forbids. This is how much God values the truth of witnessing. Bearing false, wit bearing false testimony against your neighbor. And I say specifically because generally this commandment, of course, forbids us to lie. And often we refer to the Ninth Commandment but by, by simply saying, you shall not lie. And I think that is, that is okay, that is, that is right, we, 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 can, we can do so. And yet, many people think that's, that's a stretch. It actually has nothing to do with, with lying, it's really just about the courtroom. And yet, um, we see it's not hard to prove that it's actually also about lying. Lying goes hand in hand with bearing false testimony, false witness. Proverbs Chapter 6, verse 19 says, A false witness who breathes out lies. 
bearing false witness in the courtroom is, is just the most severe, the most the heightened uh, form of this sin. Hosea, he, he charges Israel with the second table of the commandments, and he's, he's saying that you were swearing, you were lying, murdering, stealing, and committing adultery. See, here he is saying you were lying. That's just uh, the, the general usage of this commandment. But here often we still get confused. We think, yes, lying is, of course, uh, sinful. It is gross. It is, we hate liars. But lying can take different forms. And if you, if you look up the larger, uh, in the larger catechism, when it, when it talks about the ninth commandment, it lists many things under this very sin. Actually, more than any under any other commandment. And it's really interesting. Why is that so? Well, well, when we, as we just read James and his letter in, in chapter 3, he gives several pictures and he explains the power of our tongue. He gives a picture of a horse that you can control if you put bits into its mouth. He gives a picture of the large ship that is controlled by a small rudder and the pilot directs it however he wants. And he says exactly like that is our tongue, small but with very great power. As Luther called it, the little bit of flesh between our jaws and it can cause so much damage. It is a small member that boasts of great things. We can do great things, great good things with it. We can comfort and encourage. But how often do we sin? And how great a forest, says James, is set ablaze by such a small fire. Again, there's so much that you can cause. And it's so easy. It's so easy to use our tongue to cause much destruction. You can, of course, just fabricate something out of thin air in order to present yourself in a, in a better light. Or you can take something that is true and you just twist it a little bit, promoting yourself and your own self-interest. We see that often with children. How, how often do they lie to prevent um, being disciplined and, and getting the punishment that they deserve. And the same goes for adults, especially when there's, a, when there's a fine involved. How tempting it seems, uh, how tempting a, li a lie seems at that very moment. You have to file an insurance claim and, and, and it, has, it will have a, a great impact on your wallet depending on what, on what you say next or write next. And it's so easy, so easy to, to lie about it and to save. Um, isn't that also bearing false witness against our neighbor? Again, the larger catechism reads under the duties that are required, a charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities. Gossip is the complete opposite of that. 
We don't rejoice over the good name. We don't protect, we don't cover the infirmities. We speak them out loud to whoever wants to hear it. We hear a rumor that we are all, all too ready to spread or we hint something uh, negative about the character and, and, and how easy it is to excuse what we are, what we are saying. We're simply stating facts. Actually, we are saying the truth. You're sharing negative opinion about someone without going to them first. And I'm sure you've heard this saying, I'm not sure if it's true, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Again, I'm not sure, but so that you have an idea of what that person might be like, I'm going to tell you. How is that protecting the good name of your neighbor? And gossip is so common that we forget how ugly and sinful and destructive that sin is. We know how destructive gossip can be. Ruining the good name of our friends and neighbors, destroying friendships, careers, damaging marriages, splitting entire churches. And yet it is so common, even among believers, to gossip. And the scripture calls gossip or slandering, smiting with the tongue. They said to Jeremiah, come and let us, or about Jeremiah, come and let us strike him with our tongue. In Jeremiah 18. You see, you can smite someone else without ever touching him. And Augustine said, the tongue inflicts greater wounds than the sword. And we all have been, I'm sure, at the, on the receiving end of that smiting. And how painful, again, it is. But here's the question. What are we to do if not to lie? And it's a simple question. Every commandment has a flip side a negative and a positive, a forbidden and a required. And, and so what are we to do if not to lie? And the answer is we are to speak the truth. To speak the truth to the appropriate time, to the appropriate person, and to stand for the truth. Imitate God who is the very pattern of truth. Pythagoras, the Greek philosopher, was once asked what mates what makes man like God? And he said, when they speak the truth. When they speak the truth, and I might add, according to scripture, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. How important, as we have seen, is it to bear witness, truthful, about our neighbor. To stand up um, and, and protect those who can't protect themselves. Not to gossip, but also not receiving gossip, standing by and just listening to it. And that's, that's hard. That takes courage to, to, to speak up and to stop that very sin. But here's another aspect of truth, of being truthful, that I think is, is the beginning and, and, and even maybe more important. It is to be honest to ourselves. 
to not lying to ourselves. We are masters in deceiving our hearts. But what about not lying to ourselves, not deceiving ourselves? James, in chapter 1, verse 26, said that the one who can't brittle his tongue but deceives his heart, his religion is useless. And that's a very strong, that's very strong language. That's actually very terrifying, having a religion that is useless. We put all our hope into our religion. It is a, a matter of, of life and death, and, and to, only to find out that it is useless. It's, it's terrifying. But it is when we keep lying and deceiving our own heart. And, and to be honest, to whom do we talk the most on a daily basis? And I'm ho- I hope I'm not the only one, otherwise it's pretty awkward, but we talk to ourselves. Every, is that right? <laughs> not out loud, but in our mind. Um, we talk to ourselves. And we tell us that we are actually not as bad as we are. That this action was justified. That I should tell this. And, and even if we feel bad, we try to, to calm us down and to deceive us. And there's the danger. If we cannot speak truth to ourselves, how can we speak truth to our neighbor? How can we speak truth to God? How can we ask God for forgiveness, ask God for help? So as you think about this commandment, ask ask yourself, how well have you kept it? Being honest with yourself. Or how, how have you broken it? Have you used your words to to harm someone? Have you gossiped or engaged in gossip or or listened while others were gossiping? Maybe you kept silent when when you should have spoken up or twisted and, and spun the truth in order to make yourself look good. Or you straight straight up lied to avoid uh, the rightful punishment or discipline. You lied. You broke the ninth commandment. And, and in, in fact, you break the ninth commandment, I would uh, argue, on a daily basis. Now it's true. You can lie to yourself. or You can lie to, the, to people around you and, and deceive them and never get caught. And you can lie to yourself. You can deceive yourself and often We believe our own lies. But here is the truth. You can't deceive God. You can't lie to God. You can't lie to God in order to to avoid judgment and punishment. You can't lie to God and and receive honor and, and present yourself in a better way. The beauty of the gospel is that you don't have to. You don't have to pretend you are someone you're not. In fact, the gospel is quite the opposite. If you're truthful and you confess your guilt, you confess your sin and and, and confess your need, he promised to cleanse your lips and use you for his glory and and, and use you as you trust in the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is 
the beauty of the gospel, that, that the one who, who never spoke a lying word, never uttered a falsehood, he's the one who always and only spoke the truth. And he is the one who is the truth embodied. And yet he's the one who stood in the place of sinners, in the place of deceivers, in the place of, of liars. He was put on trial and, and ironically around him were gathered a company of false witnesses. Those who spoke lies about him. He was falsely accused the one in whose mouth is, is no deceit to be found, died for liars and deceivers and, and gossips like you and me. He died as if though he was a gossip and, and liar and false witness and instead counts you to be righteous, looks at you and, and covers you with covers you with his own righteousness and looks at you as you've never as if you've never uttered a lie that is the great exchange of the gospel that is why we love Jesus Christ that is why we can be honest and truthful to him and and, and bring our sins to the light into the light and and, and confess and believe And, and, and there's more blessing in the gospel. He, he not only forgives your sin, but fills your heart with grace so that the restless tongue, as James calls it, can finally rest and speak of the wonders of the gospel. He says, no human can tame the tongue. And that is true, no human can tame the tongue. But God's word, empowered by God's spirit, can break in and suck out the poison and give us rest. As we think about Jesus, as we hear his word and, and our hearts are filled with Christ and, and his grace and his mercy, then we can speak things that are pleasing to the Lord and to our neighbors. But we need to sit at the feet of Christ, and we need to be honest and confess our sins and, and, and trust in him. And he will never lie to us. He gave us his promises that are yes and amen. That if you confess your sin, he's faithful and he will forgive you. Let us pray. Heavenly and gracious Father, we thank you for your word that is so powerful and that speaks to us so clearly and that we can see ourselves in your word and it speaks to our heart and it, it enlightens our minds and we um, pray to you and ask for your grace that we will uh, go out of here with um, hearts that are filled with your grace and mercy. And we do confess that we so often fall, that our tongue is so often um, not under control. We say things that we don't mean and 
it is restless. Father, we pray that you give us your grace to speak about you, to speak truth and to speak things that are loving and, and pleasing, things that en encourage and things about Christ and his gospel. Let us be truthful to one another, to ourselves, and truthful to you. Just people that, that love one another and speak truth and glory, glorify your name with whatever we say with, with our lips and our tongue. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.